Thanks for joining my Smart Smile podcast, where the goal is to help you get the grade and the name RDH. I'm your host, Amanda Shoemaker. On this episode, I will be discussing the promotion of oral health and the prevention of oral diseases and the dental hygienist's role in health promotion at the individual level. Listen closely for study tips to help retain this podcast's content. Let's get started. Let's talk about preventative care planning basic concepts. Initiation and progression of oral diseases depend on the interaction of host, agent, and environmental factors. The discipline of dental hygiene is based on disease prevention, halting disease progression, and maintenance of oral health. Effective preventative interventions assess disease risk and identify any active disease. For example, uh, patients at high risk for caries, periodontal disease, and oral lesions. The prevention of oral disease requires the participation of patients who understand oral disease processes and their personal level of risk. Other keys to preventing oral disease include implementing oral self-care, health literacy, and the motivation to practice preventative behaviors to decrease the level of risk. So, Let's review two uh, behavior change theories. One of them is Maslow's hierarchy of needs. These change theories are important because a patient's values and motivations reflect their willingness to change their behavior. Maslow's hierarchy of needs is a theory used to explain human nature and the motivational process. Maslow believed that a person's perceived needs were based on a pyramid system, where the most perceived important needs are at the bottom, with higher level needs at the top. Maslow asserted that only when a client's lower needs are met will a client become concerned about higher level needs, and once the needs have been met, they no longer function as motivators. This is an important theory, as the assessment of a client's level of needs may aid in the identification of motivational factors that can be used for enhancing behavior change. The health belief model, our second model we're gonna review, is based on the concept that one's beliefs direct behavior and can predict health behaviors and acceptance of health recommendations. Once a patient's beliefs have been accepted, they will act on them. The stronger the beliefs, the greater the potential that appropriate action will occur. Moving on to dental plaque biofilm detection. Use a disclosing agent for patient education to teach patients dental disease control and promote effective biofilm removal. Explain to the patient microbial population of dental plaque biofilm contributes to the initiation of dental caries and periodontal diseases. Toothbrushing is one of the most effective tools and should be replaced after two to three months or when the filaments are frayed. Choosing a soft brush head is important to minimize trauma to soft and hard tissues as well as to effectively remove plaque. Next, we'll, we'll look into the mechanical plaque biofilm control on the facial, lingual, and occlusal tooth surfaces, or 
tooth brushing. In all of the toothbrushing methods described, the handle is placed parallel to the occlusal plane for posterior and anterior, anterior facial surfaces and parallel to the long axis of the tooth for anterior lingual surfaces. Occlusal surfaces are cleaned with a scrubbing motion. For periodontal patients, the BAS method, also called the circular brushing method technique, directs the bristles into the sulcus at a 45 degree angle to the long axis of the tooth, then vibrate the bristles in a short back and forth motion. For pediatric patients, the Fons method or the circular method technique starts with both upper and lower teeth together. Place the bristles perpendicular to the buccal tooth surfaces using wide circular motions cover the gingiva and tooth surface of both arches. For orthodontic patients, the charters method technique positions the bristle tips toward the occlusal surfaces at a 45 degree angle to the long axis of the tooth, then move the bristles in a short back and forth motion. For patients with gingivitis, the Stillman's brushing method. With this method, the aim is to remove plaque from above the gum line. Angle the bristles at 45 degrees toward the gum line. The bristle should be half on the gum and half on the tooth surface. By making short, light, horizontal movements, the plaque is removed from above the gum line. Along with toothbrushing, interdental plaque biofilm control is an important aspect. Floss, the most common use for those with type 1 embracers. We have an interdental brush used for open embrasures, exposed class 4 frications, orthodontic appliances, fixed prostheses, and dental implants. We have a tufted brush, which is used in open proximal spaces, hard to access areas, fixed prostheses, and orthodontic appliances. Toothpick holder used for exposed class 4 frications. A wedge stimulator, uh, the best choice for interdental areas with exposed roots or recession. A floss holder, which is recommended for physically challenged patients and caregivers. Tufted floss, which you would use under pontics of bridges or with ortho appliances. And we have an oral irrigator, uh, which is recommended to disrupt loosely adherent plaque and to flush debris and food particles from around orthodontic appliances. Next, we have a dentrifices or um, our toothpaste. So we're gonna review the active ingredients in toothpaste. So fluoride for caries, pyrophosphate for plaque biofilm control, potassium nitrate, strontium chloride, and sodium citrate for anti-hypersensitivity, triclosan for antibacterial, carbamide or hydrogen peroxide for whitening. And just a note, on caries management. Remember, demineralization occurs when the pH drops below 4.5 and 5.5 for enamel and 6.0 to 6.7 for cementum. Moving on to fluorides. Two types of fluoride therapy include pre-eruptive, which we consider systemic, and post-eruptive, which we consider topical. Systemic or pre-eruptive includes water, 
supplements, and food. Optimal fluoride level is 0.7 parts per million milligrams to liters. Compounds used to fluoridate water include sodium fluoride, sodium silico fluoride, and hydrofluorosilic acid. Fluoride is naturally occurring in large amounts in foods like tea and fish. Topical or post-eruptive fluoride includes sodium fluoride, sodium fluoride varnish, acidulated phosphate fluoride, and stannous fluoride. Sodium fluoride varnish is the most effective and carries reduction and is effective for use on infants and small children with less ingestion and easier application. Acidulated phosphate fluoride is contraindicated in the presence of tooth-colored restorations and porcelain because the acid and fluoride etches the glass components in the restoration and causes surface roughening over time. Stannous fluoride causes possible gingival sloughing and brown staining. Uh, please note, children six years old and under should not use fluoride rinses due to possibly swallowing. So speaking of rinses, we're gonna talk more about mouth rinses or chemotherapeutics. First and favorite, we have chlorhexidine gluconate, uh, 0.12%. It's a bactericidal that binds to the tooth, pellicle, plaque, and mucous membranes and slowly releases to inhibit colonization and prevent pellicle formation. So chlorhexidine gluconate has a high substantivity. It's bactericidal, binds to the tooth, pellicle, plaque, and mucous membranes, and slowly releases to inhibit colonization and prevent pellicle formation. It's used as a pre-procedural rinse decreases supragingival bacterial plaque formation, suppresses streptococcus mutans, it also stains teeth, tongue, and tooth-colored restorations, it can alter taste, it can have a bitter taste, it can irritate and burn oral mucosa, it can also increase supragingival calculus formation due to the buildup of dead bacteria. It is important to note that you should wait 30 minutes after brushing before rinsing due to sodium lauryl sulfate's ability to inactivate chlorhexidine. And the sodium lauryl sulfate is just an ingredient that is commonly found in toothpaste. So it is important to educate your patients to wait 30 minutes after brushing before rinsing. Other mouth rinses include some similar side effects Listerine may cause extrinsic staining as well as a burning sensation and is contraindicated for current or recovering alcoholics. Fluoride rinses are best for those who have moderate to high risk of caries, undergoing ortho, experiencing xerostomia, have recession, and or demineralization. But remember, fluoride rinses are not good for children under the age of six years old due to the possibility of them ingesting the fluoride by swallowing it. Patients with cancer, 
who suffer from oral mucositis should rinse with baking soda or a saline solution followed by a plain water rinse. Another important part of the preventative assessment for the dental hygienist is going to be tobacco use interventions. We use the five A's as an intervention tool for patients who use tobacco. They are ask. We ask, we identify tobacco use status. We advise, advise is the next A. We advise with a clear personalized message to refrain from tobacco. Next, we assess, determine if the patient is willing to quit. Then we assist. We assist with counseling and pharmacotherapeutic agents, such as Chantix. And we arrange. We follow up within the first week following the quit date. So again, we use the five A's as an intervention tool for patients who use tobacco. Ask, advise, assess, assist, and arrange. Moving on to infection control. There are some key things to remember regarding infection control. Disinfectants kill or inactivate most pathogenic microbes, but do not kill spores. Types of disinfecting agents include chlorine-based, which are corrosive to metals and have a strong odor. Idophores, such as iodine, can discolor surfaces yellow. Some of us clumsy folks have found this out firsthand. (laughs) Uh, Phenols, which are usually alcohol-based, can leave residue on surfaces. Quaternary compounds, uh, they are not corrosive, but they are not as effective due to a lower kill spectrum. Now, the method of sterilization kills all pathogenic microbes, including spores. So we see the difference here. Sterilization kills all, disinfectants kill or inactivate most. So there are three methods of sterilization to remember. Chemical, dry heat, and steam. Chemical sterilization has a minimum temp of 273 degrees for 20 minutes and may damage rubber and plastic items. Dry heat sterilization is 340 degrees for one hour or 320 degrees for two hours and is recommended for metal instruments. Steam sterilization is a minimum of 250 degrees for 30 minutes and can dull instruments as well as corrode non-stainless steel instruments. Moving on, uh, let's talk a little bit more about when we're assessing the patient. So a key note for assessing the patient is to be able to identify caries and restorations using the GV Black classification system. Okay, so we have class one. Class one includes pits and fissures on lingual surfaces of anterior and on occlusal, buccal, and lingual surfaces of posterior teeth. So the lingual surfaces of anterior and posterior teeth, pits and fissures. 
Class 2. These are proximal surfaces of posterior teeth, commonly involving occlusal surfaces. Class 3. Proximal surfaces of anterior teeth does not involve the incisal edge. Class 4. Proximal surface of anterior teeth involves the incisal edge. Class 5. It is a cervical one-third of the facial or lingual surfaces of any tooth. Class 6. Incisal edge of anterior and or cusp tips of posterior teeth. I'm going to repeat those. So class 1. Pits and fissures on lingual surfaces of anterior and posterior teeth and on occlusal, buccal, and lingual surfaces of those posterior teeth. Okay, Class 2. The proximal surfaces of posterior teeth commonly involving the occlusal surfaces. Class 3. Proximal surfaces of anterior teeth does not involve the incisal edge. Class 4. Proximal surface of anterior teeth that involves the incisal edge. Class 5. Cervical one-third of the facial or lingual surfaces of any tooth. And class 6. Incisal edge of anterior and or cusp tips of posterior teeth. Here's a study tip. If you cannot commit all of these to memory, try to remember at least three so that you can be able to eliminate other answer choices for these multiple choice questions. Another effective memory tool is to try to think of a restoration you have on yourself and know what class it is. Or using your clinical experience with a particular patient, maybe having a memorable cavitation or restoration as a way to remember a particular class. For example, I remember seeing multiple class 5 carious lesions and thinking, wow, the tooth is rotting away only on the cervical one-third of the tooth and the remaining structure was completely intact. Use your experience to jog your memory. Here's a study tip. Did you hear a word or condition you were unfamiliar with? Look it up. Doing your own research helps you retain knowledge. Teach someone else what you learned. Teaching someone else is a mutual way to retain knowledge and be helpful to others. Thanks for listening to my Smart Smile podcast. Please like, share, subscribe, and review this podcast. If you'd like to know when new podcasts will be dropping, review questions, and more, please follow our Instagram account at MySmartSmile. Hope this podcast helped you get the grade and the name RDH.